Hello, and welcome to the Pet Wellness Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Bonder, a veterinarian with a passion for all things pet, experienced in holistic medicine, pet training, and you guessed it, pet wellness. This is a show where we not only talk about pet problems, we give solutions and suggestions for optimizing your pet's health. Each week, you'll hear thought-provoking advice and interviews, as well as actionable tips you can implement in your daily life. And now, here's your host. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike, and welcome to a special edition of the Pet Wellness Podcast, where we will be unveiling a new series called Things Your Pet Would Love You to Know About Them. I've interviewed many dogs and cats for this one, and it's incredible the things they tell me. Today, they want me to share with you why they freeze when they go to a veterinary clinic, a grooming salon, or any other unfamiliar establishment. And they all hinted that they want me to give you some advice on how to fix that problem. So let's first chat about why cats and dogs freeze. We all know the two classic reactions to fear, that being flight and fight, but many of us ignore the third reaction of freeze, and even the fourth reaction, which is fidget or fret. The freeze response in dogs and cats is actually a life-saving behavior because in the wild, animals will actually freeze and blend into their environment to escape being noticed by hunting predators. I think that many pet owners believe that pets that allow us veterinarians and our staff to do anything to them, like looking in their ears and mouths, take blood, or do any other frightening procedures, are just being good. When in fact, the real reason why they do nothing and freeze is because they're consumed by fear. It's kind of like if you were somewhere and all of a sudden there was a gun in your back. Yeah, some of us would run, likely screaming. Some of us would actually fight. But I'll bet a large majority of us would just freeze in fear. But freezing is usually not the first response to fear. Not that it happens this way all the time, but most often pets who are exposed to something fearful will first engage in flight. Like the dog pulling you on a leash back to the car, when you take them into the grooming salon. Or the cat who immediately jumps off the exam table and tries to find a corner to hide in once they've been taken out of the carrier. Something that I've seen way too often in practice. One thing that you as a pet wellness advocate have to be aware of with the flight response is that it can cause your pet harm in certain situations. For example, many pets are hit by cars during the 4th of July fireworks in the US. And that's just from a loud noise. In fact, related to this scary statistic, Studies have shown that noise sensitivity is actually the number one fear stimulus in dogs. And that makes sense, knowing that their hearing is much more sensitive than ours. So you just have to make sure that if your pet is about to engage in flight, from a fearful stimulus like noise, for instance, that you take the necessary precautions so that they don't get harmed during that reaction. Once pets realize that flight isn't getting them away from the fearful stimulus, they most often go into the free stage, particularly cats. In saying that, some may jump right into the fight stage, especially if they've learned that going on the offensive during a previous experience worked out well for them. In my experience, pets who go immediately into the fight mode by growling or even lunging with teeth bared are usually not mean pets. They're just riddled with fear. So I encourage you never to get upset with them. I actually felt empathy for them and would try everything I could to reduce their fear in that situation. So as I mentioned before that the freeze response in dogs and cats is a life-saving behavior, how can you help your pet realize that they aren't in danger and that the situation they're in isn't really that bad? Because that's the most important thing. 
Well, the first thing you can do as a pet wellness advocate is to recognize that freezing means fear and not necessarily I'm being cooperative. And that knowledge alone gives you the power to help your pet overcome their fear. So let's address cats' fears first. With cats, most of their fear is the novelty of traveling away from their safe haven, which of course is their home, regardless of whether they're an indoor cat or outdoor cat. Three things happen that instill fear in cats long before they ever step into a vet clinic or other fearful situation. Number one, cats typically like to be petted, but they really don't like to be picked up. And worse, restrained by being directed towards something they don't like. Like number two, the cat carrier. Restraint of any kind is fearful for cats, but especially a cat carrier that they're not familiar with. And finally, number three, the car ride. So what can you do about the first situation? Picking up your cat. Well, first I'll comment that if every time you pick up your cat and they associate it with an undesirable behavior, like putting them into a kennel, good luck picking them up in the future. Cats are highly intelligent creatures. On the other hand, if you do it regularly, that's a whole different story, as now your cat won't know if this is the time they're going into the carrier. Regardless, I always suggest that make picking up your cat a pleasurable experience by associating that behavior with a reward. Now that reward may be a food reward or a play reward, because to some cats, play is more rewarding than treats. But the reward should be given during or immediately after the behavior. And when I say immediately, the gold standard is typically a half to one second after the behavior, which is pretty quick. Let's face it, if you pick your cat up, put them down and go get a treat from the kitchen, your cat will be happy, but it will definitely not associate the behavior of being picked up with the reward. The other thing that you need to be aware of when you're picking up your cat or doing anything to your cat that is unnatural to them is observe their body language. Cats are amazing at telling us what they like and dislike with their nonverbal cues. We just have to learn what those nonverbal cues are. So what are the signs that your cat is annoyed and ready to pounce? Well, the most obvious signs that most of us are aware of are hissing, spitting, and growling. But in terms of signs that are not so obvious, number one is wagging their tail like a dog, like from the base of their tail. And we know that dogs are typically happy when they wag their tails. Well, cats are definitely not. Number two, when cats get upset, their pupils start to dilate. Those little black circles in their eyes become very big. It's funny, but I rarely look at dogs in the eye when I examine them, as to some dogs, that can be quite threatening. In complete contrast, I rarely take my eye off of cats so I can observe their pupils on a regular basis. I have a very healthy respect for kitties. Number three, they start to focus on something, like your hand, for instance, which is typically the object of their frustration. Number four, their ears will initially point forward, as will their whiskers, but eventually their ears will start flattening to the back of their head just as they're going to explode and attack. And number five, their hair on the back of their neck might be erect, but at this point, it's probably too late. So when you pick up your cat, just look for these signs, and if they occur, put your cat down immediately. In these situations, you may have to start with just rewarding your cat for allowing you to put your hands under them, as though you're picking them up, without actually picking them up. Every cat is different. Now let's talk about what you can do about the second situation, the cat carrier. Well, anyone listening who owns a cat, your first job is to dig that carrier out of the closet or the attic, dust it off, and put it in a place where your cat frequently visits, and let your cat explore it at their own pace. 
I suggest that you keep it out for weeks at a time. The next step is to make the cat carrier more rewarding. And you can do that in two ways. Number one, spray the carrier with Feel Away, the cat facial pheromone. What this spray does in essence is to create a feeling in the cat that this place is familiar, even if it isn't. Use about eight to 10 sprays at a time. The spray lasts for about four to five hours. So if you're counting waking hours, you'll probably only have to reapply it two to three times a day. Number two, toss your cat's favorite treats into the kennel. And by the way, don't sit and stare at them when they're there exploring. They might actually think you're tricking them into going in there. If your cat isn't really into treats, perhaps just toss some of their kibble into the carrier when they're hungry. Or if food isn't rewarding at all, maybe you can play with them with their favorite toy right after they exit from the carrier. Finally, let's talk about what you can do about the car ride. You know, cats need to be in their carrier at all times, which means they'll likely not enjoy the car ride with all of the movement back and forth. It would help if you spent the time getting them used to the car, and I've outlined those exact steps in my podcast on traveling with your pet, so make sure you check that one out. Okay, now into dogs, which are a little easier than cats. Dogs, thankfully, will show a lot of nonverbal signs of fear long before they succumb to the freeze stage. So try and be aware of the following signs of elevated anxiety in your dog. Signs can include lip licking, yawning, panting, tail tucked between the legs, a low body stance. Some dogs will avert their gaze or look away. Veterinarians often call this whale eye because when dogs look away from us, they're showing us the whites of their eye. If your dog exhibits any of the signs I just mentioned, you have to try and desensitize them to whatever is causing their fear and do it very gradually. You do this by slowly introducing a fearful stimulus, like the car ride if they don't like riding in the car, and rewarding calm behavior, a process called systematic desensitization and counterconditioning. And I've shared this on one of my previous podcasts, so I'm not gonna go into detail about it now. Preventing the freeze reaction in a fearful environment, like the vet clinic or let's say a grooming salon, involves the same process. It means taking your pet into these establishments for short periods, rewarding them for calm behavior, and leaving. Yes, it's a considerable commitment on your part, but it's the only way you'll make your pet feel remotely comfortable in those types of environments. And finally, there are other things that your veterinarian or your groomer can do to help in this situation. They can handle your pet in a fear-free manner. And as a pet wellness advocate, you have every right to demand that your pet be treated in a fear-free way. And this can include all, or at least some, of the following tactics. Number one, never rushing. A pet's welfare should be everyone's number one concern. I remember one day this client brought in a Weimaraner who was absolutely petrified. The dog couldn't look at me, had the low stance, was yawning, lip-licking, literally did everything to show me that he didn't want me anywhere near him. So I got down and started tossing him treats. I was taking my time, I was talking to him softly, and all of a sudden the owner got really ornery with me. She wanted me to hurry up and get the dog vaccinated. And I looked at her and thought, your your pet here is going to freak out if I get anywhere near them. And yet she didn't really care. She wanted me to vaccinate the dog and she obviously had things to do. Really bothered me and I have to admit, I stopped and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to rush this. Your dog is about to have a meltdown, and I don't think that's fair to him. And she stormed out. It was clear that this person was not being an advocate for her pet. 
And since we weren't on the same page with regards to how this fearful animal should be treated, we weren't going to be able to have a successful veterinary client-patient relationship. Number two, using treats to either reward calm behavior or to distract your pet during any fearful procedure, like a nail trim or a blood draw or even a physical exam. And finally, number three, preparing the environment. The room where the pet is should be very quiet, potentially with soft classical music playing. There should be pheromones available to spray around the room. There should be rubber mats on the exam tables to provide good footing. And finally, there should be towels or blankets for, let's say, cats to hide in while being examined. Essentially, many things can be done by you and the place you're taking your pet to to make them feel less fearful and less anxious. As pet wellness advocates, let's commit to those things. Before we finish off, I just want to touch on the fourth sign of fear, which is to fidget or fret, which I don't see very often in a clinic setting. It's usually something that dogs do at home when their owners are away and is a common sign of separation anxiety, which we will definitely talk about in an upcoming podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. You can always follow us on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at petwellnessadvocate.com. You can also download a free copy of my ebook at ebook.petwellnessadvocate.com. And if you want to leave a comment or even a suggestion for future content on the podcast, please email us at podcast at petwellnessadvocate.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. And remember, our pets deserve our best. If you're excited to hear more about how you can become a pet wellness advocate, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thanks for spending time with us today.